took a sweet time and good evening we are live good evening everyone welcome to holy crap the vlogcast vlogcast comes from a skeptical point of view to answer some of the questions of why vlogcast started as a combination of spite and the stray sand effect because because basically is what it comes down to because you know people need to be told um you know you really don't know what you're talking about and if you don't believe me why don't you believe these guys you know because they actually know what they're talking about oh that's uh that's that's somebody's term paper you say that's that's good five scientists with who only knows how many assistants with 40 years of experience that they're drawing on across the rest of the country and you in a city of 10 million yeah you know better than these guys aces on you Parsons follow through with the old adage, sometimes the journey is more important than the destination. I'm your main host. I'm known as Shujin Tribble all over the place. Uh, S-H-U-J-I-N. You can find me pretty much anywhere. It's hard to miss me as much as you try. Thanks for joining us. Let me go ahead and introduce you to everybody because uh, we got a weird lineup at the moment. I'll, I'll kind of fill you in as to the why. Top left-hand corner, the bingo card of North America drinking down uh, that's a that's a bad moment when i'm djing and such you know that good evening Dallin. good evening i made sure to just take a tiny sip and uh be thankful the carbonation has all but fizzed out otherwise i might have responded with something else fair enough down in just a little bit to the right midwest the u.s good evening bridget good evening and south of me into pittsburgh good morning joey uh, close enough I'll, I'll i'll take that and joining us again because apparently the first time he was on with me didn't count because i didn't sign his papers to let the courts know that he actually fulfilled his obligation for a court visitation or whatever the hell it was uh, chiming in from somewhere north of the border mystery guest would you sign in please uh, hello, I'm Dr. Courtney Plant here again and getting my paperwork signed this time. I know, I know. I'll make sure that I get that done for you. For those of you that uh, might remember, uh, Dr. Plant, otherwise known as Dr. Nuka, has been with us before and uh, we're very, very proud to have him back again. Uh, he is not exactly on retainer, but he qualifies as definitely somebody who can speak uh, much higher into the research end of the human condition than just us poor plebs because he kind of does this for a living yeah so uh, the long and short but he knows all the big words i do a pretty yeah. good impression of someone who knows what they're talking about hey you know i, I disagree with this methodology at work but the whole fake it till you make it thing there's something I, to it I, yeah i've been i've been told that at work many times and i'm just like uh, when it comes to customer-facing liability, I kind of have to respectfully disagree because one day something I say is going to come back and bite me in the ass. And the fact that I have very little of one tells you that it's happened many times. <laughs> oh, I don't know what you're talking about. You huge ass. Who are you kidding? Almost got him. I almost See that? I almost got him as he was taking a drink. Okay, if, for those of you that don't know, when when Dallin, Joey, and I are in the middle of a DJ set, it is typically far too common for us to have to remind each other, don't drink when we're on the air, because sooner or later, 
somebody ends up going ahead and destroying a monitor or a keyboard or something because now because of laughing too hard. <laughs> So it works. So uh, really quickly, uh, Dr. Dr. Uh, Plant, if you would just kind of go ahead and explain to the nice folks uh, who are listening exactly what it is that your expertise is in. Sure. Um, so I'm a social psychologist. That's my sort of official uh, background and education. I did a PhD at the University of Waterloo uh, several years ago, more than I'd care to count at this point. Um, and a postdoc at Iowa State University. Uh, so I study basically the psychology of how situations, environments, and people affect the way we think, feel, and behave. Uh, my own research tends to focus on uh, the functions of fantasy in our lives, on the effects of media, and uh, perhaps the stuff I'm most well known for, I guess, is my research on fan groups, the furry fandom, anime fans, most recently the brony fandom, if it's a weird group of people who are a fan of something, I'm usually in the mix studying them. And happily enough, getting cited a lot for a change. It's unusual, but yeah, it's it's. I never thought years ago that people would actually care about the thing that I'm studying. And as it turns out, if you're persistent enough and throw enough butt at the wall, something will stick eventually. Which is absolutely wonderful to know about. Um, for those of you that, for whatever reason, hadn't seen or don't remember the last time that... Uh, Dr. Plant was with us. He and I have known each other for uh, several years because uh, he and I met uh, well several times actually uh, through the course of uh, him attending Anthrocon in uh, an official capacity as researcher and studying with the first science group. I'm a co-founder of that group. Yep, and. Um, we had the chance of, uh, of uh, interacting and talking and not just from a, a professional standpoint, because I mean, let's face it, Courtney, Courtney's a wonderful f personality to speak with. He was great with me. Uh, oh. We had fun. We have fun when the opportunities uh, arise when we can, you know, get to see each other. I know that I can't take a lot of time away from, you know, his official business, but you know, we, we get the opportunity to kind of, touch base, which is one of the things that I do every year. I get to uh, go to Anthrocon, which is wonderful to be able to do because as some people have said, you know, Anthrocon may be, you know, a convention and a business, but it's kind of a family reunion of sorts. So everybody kind of gets back together again for a little while to you know, touch base and see how they're doing. And you're one of those people who I'm very happy to be able to do with. So, I'm very sad I didn't get to make it this year. I was in Australia. Well, you were, yeah, you were, about fr uh, furries, so. You, you were a little bit busy otherwise, you know, hanging upside down by the, the by the skin of your toenails. <laughs> but it seemed like uh, it was only fair. I mean, only only $5,000 to fly across the bottom side of the plane of the earth. I mean, you know, for those of you that believe in the, you know, flat disc thing wrong with you people and i'll never do it again 16 hour <laughs> flights are just just not right it's oh not right. yeah out of curiosity um i i don't remember uh where did you fly out of uh i flew from edmonton to vancouver and then from vancouver straight to sydney so it was a straight shot yeah and, I, and it was an all i mean it, when you get to that long it doesn't really matter but it was an overnight thing too like i i had by the time I got there, I'd been away for about 34 hours, and yeah, <laughs> two yeah. out of ten would not recommend. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't play. Plus, I mean, you also had the the whole international Dateline thing that you had to go back and forth through. So you know, good on you there. And I did it twice in three days because I was only there for three days for the conference. So, oh jeez, uh, if you want to destroy your internal clock, that's the way to do it, folks. That'll do it. That'll do it. So, um, he's he's dedicated to his cause. <laughs> well done for you on that, man. For those of you that are uh, watching live, of course, thank you very much, as always. I had mentioned this last week. I have no idea which side of the screen it is. I don't know where you are that you're watching or, or commenting on. But, of course, as always, feel free to comment on the live chat system. I know for well that uh, Stephanie is there again early. Thank you. Of course, as always. And Princess, thank you also. Good to have you. Uh, for those of you that are wondering, yes, I am actually back to having uh, drinks of uh, of wine. I'm sipping. <laughs> I'm sipping. I I already I already spoke to uh, I, I already spoke to the good doctor about my limit of how much of this I'm allowed to have anymore. That was uh, that was a bad night. That was, <laughs> was a bad night. For those of you that are wondering. A liter and a half of wine? That's oh. not, not a good idea. It's really not a good idea. Two, two of these bottles, seven fifty uh, mil, liter and a half. Yeah, don't don't do that again. Yeah, in the, um, in the course of one show. Yep. Yeah, in the course of one show, bad. Um, a wedding, maybe. <laughs> uh, a Christmas party, definitely. A company Christmas party, mandatory. No. No. <laughs> it's in total oh. cost. Well, it, de it depends as to how wake, long the party is. Awake, it's expected. Well, it... it mm, yeah. Note, uh, a proper wake. Yeah, it, it, it depends. It, it not, depends not, not, the, not the thing that they pass off as a wake, you know, these days in high society where, you know, we gather with all the church folk and, you know view the body and you know, no that's a viewing people that's not awake you want to know what awake is you ask an irishman man did i parse that sentence incorrectly the first time i thought you just said like being awake was when you drank i'm like wow that's maybe you need to talk yeah, to the doctor I, if that's your... <laughs> I kind of went there too yeah, that's, that's also how the irish put, would put it <laughs> and, and truth truth be told that that makes that makes four of us at this point so uh that that's fine <laughs> Uh, that's gonna be one of those nights. So, and uh, and Shauna, do see you over there. Hi, thank you. Mm. So, as you might have noticed, uh, for those of you that know how this kind of works, yeah, Heretic Woman is not going to be with us tonight. She's got um, party planning to do, apparently. So she's she's been busy with that. She's going to be busy with family, and she's already fallen asleep sometime earlier tonight. So you know what? Whatever. You know, it's fine. Um, there's um there, there's reasons why I have an evil um, halo over my head, and nobody's gonna say anything about it. I will, however, say this. No, no, I'm, I'm not because I, I I know me, I know me. Um, Joseph is uh, apparently digging out from the gas explosion that was uh across the river and across the city from i don't know there was uh, there was there was a gas explosion in france in paris 
that he marked himself as safe from and then made mention that it was like across the river and across the city from him so it was like nothing happened for him so whatever he might join us i don't know and unreal tech i don't know where he is at the moment i don't know we'll see who knows maybe he'll show up maybe he won't but uh in in any case of course there's always the seats are always there and waiting for him all we got to do is just have him show up i don't know we'll see maybe he's just kind of you know um thinking that he shouldn't join us because he doesn't want to be um called a scab and crossing the picket lines or whatever because you know to strike now or he might still be asleep he could be he could be he could be um I, I i will only go as far as to uh i will only go as far as to say this at this point mr president uh may may i call may i call you mr president yeah shithead it's more a lockout than a strike you of all people should know that but whatever in any case let me go ahead and get everything rolling over here for everybody because well it's about that time so with five minutes on the clock five minute freestyle starts right now now those of you that were looking at the title for the five minute freestyle this week probably looked at it and said oh benny uh he's gonna make some kind of reference to jack benny again uh no 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 i, I really wasn't planning on it uh I, I will, however, say that there is one piece of really great advice that some people could take from Jack Benny. Uh, he was going to be doing a, a show in New York City, I believe is what it was, and with a group that he normally would not have worked with. And he told them, he told them, whatever it is that you're going to go ahead and do with the script and whatnot, don't talk down to the audience. Don't dumb it down. You, you get the general idea because he, he had that much respect for the audience that you're dealing with. And it turns out that actually kind of plays into where I was going on this. Many years ago, several decades ago, there was a band leader you might have heard of once upon a time he was in the big band era uh benny you, you might have heard of him at some point you know did some of the more famous big band stuff uh sing 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 comes to mind uh, um you know um in the mood you might remember this guy but one of the things that he instructed his band was when they went out for a live performance, play the notes on the page and nothing else. Back in the day, records were a massive thing. And I, I said it from the standpoint of they were different from the records that we would typically buy today, uh, you know, where you can get the hipster versions where they're the 12 inch, you know, vinyl platters. Yeah, they were vinyl, but in a lot of cases, they were 10 inch. 
and they didn't spin at 33 and a third RPMs. They were usually at 78. Now, for those of you that don't know, yeah, you've heard of 33s because, you know, that's the big 12 inches. And then you've got the seven inches that are, you know, 45s. We've heard of that. But 78, what the hell is that? Well, it used to be that the 12-inch platters, which were thicker, about twice the thickness of an LP that we get today, were the equivalent of the 45 singles that we could get back in the 80s, even the 90s. Really hard to find those today. But it was effectively a single with great fidelity because of the speed, but neither here nor there. But people were buying these records because they heard the stuff on the radio and they wanted to hear these songs for themselves when they couldn't hear it on the right on the radio. So the radios would play whatever was on the record and then the people would go out to the record stores to buy the actual record. So when they went out on tour, he told them, play the notes on the page and nothing else play it straight because he had this brilliant insight that if people were coming to see them perform live they weren't there to hear the guys play whatever it was that they were going to play because they wanted to play whatever came off the top of their head they were there to hear their records played in person they wanted the experience of the live band actually performing what it was that they listen to and it paid off brilliantly there are times where you want to go to a show and see somebody just go completely off script jazz concerts sometimes blues concerts shit polka in in this case i'm specifically thinking of weird al because i mean it's weird al you want to hear him go crazy but there's some pop artists today that should really take a listen to that piece of advice these days. One guy came through Buffalo recently, and I know one person that went to their concert and was hugely disappointed because they got to listen to artist Blah, the rock star instead of artist blah the person they were expecting to hear it's great to be able to stretch your legs artistically but you know maybe maybe rope it in just a little bit this episode four sorry 244 looking at too many numbers and reading them backwards 244 on the docket your honor people are basically good and i know for well that you know most of the time we'd really like to believe that and there are times where we really have a hard time understanding that and believing it but generally speaking we'd like that to be the case i'll fill you in on a little bit of that uh in just a couple of seconds but let me go ahead and get the uh, the important piece out of the way, which is, since Heretic Woman is not here, real quick on uh, on Rafe Badawi, there's no new information. Again, 
much more the usual than it is the exception. So, is what it is. So as of the recording of tonight's show, it has now been six years, six months, 29 days since Rafe Badawi was unjustly incarcerated for thought crime. Our thoughts and our hopes are still with you and your family. We are still hoping. So let me go ahead and uh, give you guys a little bit of background as to what kind of prompted tonight's show. A couple of months ago, it was, uh, who was it that had done it? It was Ari Stillman from which, which podcast was it? From uh, the Sister Are Getting Out of Hand podcast. She had posted a thing over on Facebook and did a, a small, very unscientific questionnaire. And we're going to get to that because there's so much meta that happens with this that we're going to have all kinds of fun. Part of the reason why I wanted Dr. Nooka with us on this one. And her question to her followers was, and you'll, you'll see why I'm posing it that way. Let's say you have information which, should you release it to the media, has a 95% chance of getting Trump out of office. The thing is, the story is totally false, and you know it. Do you release it? Assume that you won't ever be caught lying. So that's what was posed to everybody. Now, reminding you that this was on Facebook, on her own timeline, with people that kind of are in her circles and know her from the podcast and in, in the trans circles and such and, and transportive circles, the answer became very interesting. And good doctor, I'm going to be throwing it your way in just a couple of seconds. The answer that came back was 31% said yes, by any means necessary, but 69% said no, that's unethical. Now, admittedly, we had less than 300 people who sounded in on this one, 281 votes altogether. But I wanted to kind of tackle this because there were a lot of pieces about this that didn't that didn't work quite right in a couple of ways, but other pieces that really did in others. And I pitched this over to Dr. Nuka and I kind of explained that, you know, I, I, I basically wanted him to kind of talk through a little bit of the, um, the human condition with all this. And then he went ahead and said, well, no, wait a minute. There's a lot more about this that's really fascinating. So we're going to have a little bit of fun with this. Now, the first item up, um, because we talked about this on the last time that you were on with us, I know full well the meta with this, Doctor, is this is so not a well-put-together scientific questionnaire, and we know it, right? <laughs> that's putting it mildly. <laughs> Yeah, the do you want me to do you want me to just go to town on it? <laughs> yeah, to it to a certain degree. Now, now I, I, I want everybody to understand we are not in any way, shape, or form ragging on Ari. She's a wonderful know. personality, but I want to make you guys uh, very full well aware that 
when you do this kind of thing on Facebook, there are a lot of meta pieces about this that do and don't work all at the same time that we don't even think about. And that's why I want to kind of delve into this before we actually get into the whole 70-30, nah, man, because nah. So be my guest. So it's, I mean, it's sort of the difference between sort of being an amateur and being a person who does this for a living, right? I went to school for 10 years to learn how to put together a survey. Uh, anyone can ask a few questions on Facebook, but to, to avoid the pitfalls, you have to sort of uh, learn proper research design, learn sort of why questions can be flawed and biased. Because um, I think that it's an interesting question. It really is an interesting question. You have to kind of separate the, the what, the philosophy of what the question is trying to get at fundamentally versus um, the sort of execution of the question. Uh, and so, you know, we'll put the philosophy aside for a moment because we can, you know, become more abstract later and rephrase the question to be a more, uh, so to have less of these flaws. But um, one thing to consider right off the bat is uh, a huge thing in psychology research called demand characteristics. Um, right off the bat, whenever you're doing a psychology study, there is uh, the concern about how you're going to come across. Uh, people are, are sort of hardwired with the need to look good and feel good and want other people to see them positively. And so by virtue of that alone, um, this poll, I don't know all the details of the poll, but I don't believe it was a private poll. Like, I don't know if it was one where your response was was hidden or if you were just sort of responding in a comment thread or not. Um, but at very least, oh, sorry, go ahead. Wanna... Yeah, I, no, I, I was going to say it was a uh, it was just a pick one, pick the other uh, radio button. So okay. it wasn't it wasn't taken from the uh, uh, it wasn't taken from threads later on down the thing. Okay, so I guess uh, so I guess this is the question of whether or not people would would know what your vote was right off the bat. That's that's one potential concern. I don't know what this particular case was, um, but if it was one where your your position could be discovered, where people could see how you voted. Um, that's a big deal. That is, I mean, it's the reason why we don't, why we have uh, private ballots in, in democracies, right? It's the reason why your neighbor isn't allowed to look over your shoulder when you go to vote for who you want to be the president or the prime minister, because we know that we respond differently when when we know people are watching us, when they're willing to judge us. Um, so the desire, I mean, it, it's one thing to to say, oh, I'm not a fan of Trump, or I disagree with his policies, or I think he, he's a net harm. It's one thing. It's another thing to say, in very black and white terms, I'm willing to lie and do something most people would consider immoral uh, to get what I want, right? So to, to outright put all right, put it in black and white and say I'm willing to do this thing that's wrong, that's that's admitting to something pretty foundational about your your morality, and so doing so with an audience, doing so when where there's the potential for other people to see or find out what you might have said. Um, can make people, you know, regardless of what you actually think, you might respond in the way that you th you think is more socially acceptable. So right off the bat, that's one potential concern I have with the, the question itself. Yep. Now, there, there was a different piece about it, too, that uh, I don't think that when, when we kind of throw out uh, a question to folks uh, on media such as Facebook or any, any social media, is that there is also something that we don't really think about which is we tend to have self-selecting data points because the people that are in our circles who are more likely to see the questionnaire and answer to it 
are people that are probably already invested in us anyway and don't exactly they they aren't exactly the full demographic at large that's true although it's worth it's worth pointing out that, that one of the things that makes this more surprising and surprised me admittedly um if anything if you know what you're saying is true which i i believe it to be true um, that should pull for it being it skewed in the opposite direction. Presumably, these are people who are probably not fans of Trump, who are nevertheless answering in a kind of surprising way. So if anything, if that were all that was happening, we'd expect it to be skewed heavily in the other direction. Yep, very much so. And that was one of the things that really... Um, Perplexed it, you. <laughs> it, it surprised me. And at the same time, made me very proud. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you guys. Um, I'll make I'll make this a very very short thing. Back in grade school, third grade, whatever. For recess, we went outside and we were playing kickball because you know little little kids, you know, three foot tall. I mean, what else are you gonna do in the in you know in the middle of spring and whatnot? And I had my team pissed off at me because I looked at, you know, I'm, I'm on one team and I'm looking at what's happening with the game. And I realized, and I, and I called out, no, they, they, they got the score. We didn't get them out. And they threw a fit at me. What the heck? What are you? What are you doing? I mean, you know, eight-year-old kids. You know, what are you going to do? And it's like, and and I, I actually had to stand up for myself and say, well, you know, the, the rules are the rules, man. It, we didn't get him out. It's, what are you going to do? And that was exactly the same kind of feeling that I had with exactly this when I was reading it, which was, yeah, we want him gone, but we want him gone, you know, by the rules. And I know for well, there's got to be a whole bunch of people who got to be going. You know, what the hell is wrong with you, man? There is potential for circumstance for repercussions. Like even you said, even if the the way it was worded that there is a a good chance that you would quote unquote get away with it. You know, if something like that actually happened, I guarantee you, fifty years from now, there'd be another panel like this sitting here talking about the blunder that happened. That caused it, and the social, the the political, social, and economical repercussions that followed it when it was actually exposed as a lie. You're, it's tempting. I get it, but you are playing one hell of a big risk. Oh hell yeah! And it doesn't even have to go fifty years. I mean, shit. You, well, you go, you know, two administrations later, and I mean, <laughs> two sorry, two election cycles later. And screw it. You know, it, it, we know full well the pendulum swings very quickly around here, these parts, unfortunately, sometimes, you know? Yeah. Well, and, it, you know, if it was turned, if it turned out that he was sort of impeached or uh, drummed out of office uh, under false pretenses, who's to say somebody couldn't use that as a precedent to get him back on the ballot? You know, the, just enough pressure. Well, so so one of the, uh, you're, you're, you're tapping into what I think is another foundational problem with the question is because the question isn't being asked in a very abstract way. It's being asked in a very concrete, here's a specific example kind of way. I think there's a very big difference between the way the question was worded 
and a more abstract question that was uh, something on the lines of, uh, is it okay to tell a lie uh, to get what you want? Right? It's a much more abstract, less, less concrete things because immediately the way the question is worded here, people can find all sorts of ways to answer in ways that have nothing to do with the morality, right? Again, you can say, well, uh, they said, you know, there's a good chance you won't get caught, but that's not the same thing as saying you won't get caught. There's a 95% chance he'll get impeached, but it's not the same yeah. as 100% chance. And so people can like, say yes. And, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, my apologies. I didn't mean No, to no, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, but it's very much like uh, being asked what the proper answer is to do these pants make me look fat? The honest answer is that there is no right answer. No, the the honest answer is uh, another drink, honey. You take the, <laughs> you take the pill, you pop the cyanide capsule, you do what you can to get the hell out of there. Amen, what? my brother. <laughs> so the problem with the way the question is worded is you don't know what a yes or a no means, right? So do you do this, yeah. yes or no? If you say yes. Are you know your a yes kind of means what you know obviously what what it looks like, but a no can mean so many things. A no could mean morally I think it's wrong to lie to get what I want, but a no could also mean I don't think it's worth the five percent risk. Make it a one percent risk and maybe you'll have me. Make it a point one percent risk and maybe you'll have me. Or maybe a no means well I don't agree with going through the media to do it, but if you can find a legal way to do it, then maybe. Right. So that's that's the problem with the way the question is worded. It's what's called a double barreled question. It's asking more than one different thing, uh, which is why in psychology we try to design questions that are sort of, quote unquote, pure. They, they only ask about one thing and you try to remove the possibility that a yes or a no could mean more than one thing. Yeah. Now, as a reminder for everybody, uh, the wording of the question, again, only because I want to make sure that everybody understands and, and re-listens to the way after he's gone ahead and said it is, uh, again, I'm quoting directly from because I copied and pasted it because it's smart. Let's say you have information, which, and again, I'm adding, I'm adding pauses specifically for commas. Let's say you have information, which should you release it to the media? Has a 95% chance of getting Trump out of office. Period. The thing is, the story is totally false, and you know it. Period. Do you release it? Question mark. Parenthesis. Assume that you won't ever be caught lying. And the answers were, yes, by any means necessary. No, that's unethical. Now, I know I'm kind of repeating it because, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of pieces that kind of end up needing to be digested and to kind of put into um, into perspective with what's going on. And I know it it will get old if I do that several times over. I promise you I'm not going to do it several times over. But from what he's saying, don't forget, the only the only thing that's not an absolute at this point is there's a 95% chance, if you do it, that he's out of office. 5% chance that he stays in. And that's the only piece that there's wiggle room on. You're completely immune from anything that happens if you do it. But there's a little bit of maybe not going to have happened the way that you want it to. Well, so there's a, there's a third problem with the, the question. 
partly due to the fact that it is such a long question. There are, there are a number of assumptions built into that question, a number of balls you have to keep juggling in order to reason morally about the question and decide. And so by the time you get to the end of that question, you may have already forgotten important clauses. You say at the end, oh, you have total immunity. But if you're still juggling the balls from the first part of the question, oh, is it right to lie to get what I want? You might completely forget that part, right? You might answer without even taking that part into consideration. Or even if you were perfectly rational or, or trying to be perfectly rational, we know that humans are anything but perfect rationality machines. Oh, right? don't even if we, we know that. Even if we say you will not be caught, they, you know, people might say, well, yeah, but I mean, it might still have implications for me. It might still, like people aren't very good at entertaining those kind of counterfactuals, especially if they seem very counterintuitive. In the real world, you probably would get caught lying. So because this assumption is just so far from reality, it's really hard for us to actually imagine, you know, yeah, but what if you really couldn't get caught? Would you still do it? It's just way outside of our realm of, of something that we're willing to entertain. So again, what does a yes mean? What does a no mean when responding to this question? Yeah. Now this is this is where we're going to go ahead and we're going to kind of say, okay, let's set that all aside. Let's grant all that stuff for a second, just for a moment, because the answer that was given the 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 seventy thirty split on this is really really surprising and is really one of those things where uh bridget i, I want to hit you really really quickly on this one first because you of all people i know for well have got to be looking at this and going um yeah but well i i voted in that poll as well oh did you i did i i and yeah, I don't know that you want to necessarily give out, but um, but I voted for the no, it's unethical, and I think that most people um, are ethical. <laughs> Not everybody, but you know, I think most people are. And that's that's a funny piece. And there's um, probably about thirty percent that are not, but you know. well, a. a According to this poll, it would appear so. Mm -hmm. uh, well, according also... to the presidential election that we had, uh, still that would appear to be the case. That's a that's a that's a that's a whole other piece we're not going to tackle tonight because no <laughs> man. Um, I also voted, and I also voted the same way that no, because unethical. Mm -hmm. If if you consider the uh, you know the the story that I gave you guys earlier about being a grade school, you can kind of you can kind of see where that is. Uh, I I will admit, you know, I'm in a lot of ways. I'm still a Boy Scout man. I'm I'm still the kind of kid that believes in truth, justice, and and the proper way of doing things. The rule of law, the the machination should work. It is supposed to work, and. I guess this is a piece that uh, I'm not sure that uh, I'm not sure that some of us really want to go into, well, but I want to pose uh, I, I want to pose this question out and and Bridget you you get the first one on this one because uh, don't don't take this the wrong way because there's an age piece that's involved in this. Let me let me explain. I've heard on so many on on various occasions there is a 
an idea that people have floated out before that says you want to be all kind of idealistic in your youth. Cool. That's wonderful. But the older you get, the more conservative you're going to get and the more cynical you're going to get. And that's going to taint the way that you think of life now. That in the place with something like this would make me think that more people who are older, and I have no idea what the split is age-wise on this, would be more, yeah, do it because, you know, screw it. What have I got to look forward to? I'm kind of wondering, you and I are on the older side of, of the group overall. Mm -hmm. I don't think that I'm my DJ name left out of the equation for a second. I don't think you and I have necessarily become more cynical. If anything, I think that you and I in, in our older ages have become more idealistic. Well, and I think back to some of the stories, um, you know, that we see in the news from time to time of, you know, man returns wallet that has $10,000 in it to, you know, whatever the, the person he lost it. And yeah, that kind of speaks to people being ethical, at least trying to find out who the owner is of it and returning the money without stealing it. And it seems to be, you know, people around our age who, you know, will turn in the money or try to find the owner. Yeah. Um, one of the first things that I ever taught uh, my little one, Literally, rule number one. Ser seriously, I, I actually drilled this into, into, into him when he was a little one. Rule number one of this house is, if it ain't yours, you leave it alone. Yeah. And I've, I've, every once in a while, I think back on that. And we don't, we don't discuss it literally anymore because i mean you know the foundation is already there but it's that in and of itself is a simple enough concept with such far-reaching idea i was going to say ideology that's not quite exactly uh that's not quite exactly right um implications well yeah um um, I don't remember what the right word would be for in this particular case. Um, the way that we, a, a very non-cynical view of life that I, if I drop something, it's obviously not somebody else's, it's fine. I would hope and I would expect like Bridget was saying, you know, if I dropped a, a wallet, which I've have happened before, I would hope that somebody would turn it back in with all the money in place. Oh, are you thinking of the word idealism? Sorry, is that I, the word you're thinking of? You're saying ideological, and I was wondering if idealism was the word you were thinking of. You know what? I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, I did drop my wallet one time when I was when I was younger in high school in an arcade kids by the way look up what arcades were back in the day you know back when video games were 25 cents a pop <laughs> um i i dropped my wallet in in the arcade 
went back to go and and you know ask yes it was turned in here you go and i go all my cards are there my money was gone uh-huh. admittedly it wasn't a lot of money but it was still you know it, it was it was the premise of the whole thing okay fine you got your you, you got your finder's fee good on you congratulations you got 10 bucks to be fair though you did drop your wallet inside of an arcade. Yeah. You can't really expect the money to be there when you find it again. <laughs> yes, I can. You know what? And I, I, I disagree. Yes, I can. Because... Wait, 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 wait. Okay, hold on, hold on. This was in New York, was it not? It was, it was back on Long Island, specifically in Bayshore. I rest my case. Thank you very much. You know what? Fuck you too. I, 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 will, I will say the science is on your side. They've done studies where they've actually dropped wallets. They, you know, this is what happens when you get grant funding. They've dropped wallets with money in it, and they, you know, on hundreds of city streets and stuff, to see what percentage of them come back. And they found that the vast majority of them do get returned with money in them. And as a general rule, people will do the right thing when it comes to something like a lost wallet more often than not. I think it would be really interesting to find out um, what the split was um, age-wise for who turned it in versus who didn't versus how much money was returned versus not. Because, you know, in an arcade back at the 80s, you know, mm, younger crowd. So mm-hmm. I, can, I can sort of see that. Annoying, but even, even so. So this 70-30 split of people who are in Ari's circles who would be trans-supportive, LGBTQI plus supportive, who are posed with this question, which is got a lot going for it and a lot going against it, but a lot that's included to it all to basically say, look, you could be completely immune from anything and you could get something that we really want. What do you do? The morality of that is really interesting. But it can be explained. There are, uh, sorry, I don't know if we want to jump in nope. yet. Go any Anytime you want to, you just drop right in. Don't worry about it. So it, it actually makes perfect sense, I would say, from a, a standpoint of a, a psychological theory called moral foundations theory. I don't know if you've heard of it before. I might have mentioned it to you in passing at one point. You know, let's 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 go into the assumption that I don't yeah. know Jack Squatter what you're talking about. So go, yeah. go for it. Uh, so it's a, a theory proposed by Jonathan Haidt that argues that uh, when it comes to making moral decisions, regardless of whether it's about abortion or um, you know, what the ideal political system is, regardless of what the, the moral issue is, when it comes to decisions about what is right and what is wrong, people fall back on a set of moral foundations, they're called. They're, these are these sort of assumptions that you take as a given and build the entirety of your moral principles upon them. And Jonathan Haidt argued, depending on which version of the model, that there are five or six moral foundations. And so your answer to every sort of moral question will boil down to where you fall on these different moral principles. 
So uh, I can briefly run you through them. The, the five principles are uh, how important is it to uh, care and take, you know, protect other people who need it. That's one moral foundation. Some people are high in that, some people are low. Uh, fairness, right? Treat people fairly. One person shouldn't have an unfair advantage. Again, some people will be high in that. Some people will say that's not an assumption that, that I, I have. The third one is loyalty, that, that you ought to be loyal and respectful of people in your group. You shouldn't be a traitor. You shouldn't go against your group. The fourth one is respect for authority. Again, some people have this one, some people do not. Uh, and the fifth one is, is sanctity or purity. If it's not natural, if it's not, uh, if it's disgusting, it's morally repugnant and wrong. And then the sixth one, depending on the version of the model, is liberty. That you should, you know, it's, it's moral to have freedom. Freedom equals um, uh, morality. So these are the six foundations upon which we build our entire moral systems. And what Hyde has found is that conservatives and liberals differ in which of these they have. Right. So to, uh, typically speaking, conservatives tend to have a blend of all five of these. They tend to try to juggle all five of these moral principles when trying to decide is something right or is something wrong. For liberals, they tend to be much higher on two of them in particular, care and fairness. Liberal morality is primarily defined by uh, they need to take care of those who can't take care of themselves or who are in, in need. You just as a given, you take care of a person who needs help, period. And things need to be fair. Right. Don't don't give a disproportionate advantage to one person over another. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't steal. So insofar as that's the case, if liberal morality is defined by being higher on these principles, it, it's predictable that a, a liberal person would be less likely to, to think it's right to cheat or not play by the rules than a conservative, right? Which isn't to say that conservatives think it's right to do these things, but it's more foundational. It's more of a, a, an issue for a liberal than it is for a conservative in speaking in very general terms, of course. No, I got you. I got you. And uh, also want to make sure that uh, people understand that the way that he's describing it is little c conservative and little l liberal, as opposed to any particular political organization that might be using a crap. Yeah, we're, talk, we're talking about very abstract, you know, political conservatism, right. political liberalism. Yeah, not like a liberal party or a conservative party. Those are different. Right, because as as we know, there are there are certain groups that call themselves the liberal party who are quite conservative and vice versa. But that's a that's a whole other thing. Um, there's there there are two pieces about this that I I are are kind of interesting because I've I've got one from the uh, the chat that I'm going to get to in a second. But um, the idea of fairness and uh, taking taking care of someone else. Um, we've we've talked about this. I, I never remember who it was that ended up doing the study, but we've talked on many occasions, and uh, I've I've harassed Bridget because she's she's kind of the, the medical expert in the group. That there there was whatever the psychology experiments that have happened over the decades, where rats have been put into compromising positions. One isn't. One is. And the one that isn't in a compromising position or, you know, squashed into something or needs to get out of uh, of some kind of a, you know, a, a container or whatnot, the second will try to help more often than not and even share in a treat. And 
showing a, a form of empathy that sometimes we think is only attributable to the higher evolved humanoid. I assume that you've you've know at least uh, in passing about that one. Yeah, conspecific altruism. So the idea that you are uh, altruistic towards members of your species, especially if you have something in common with them or if you're more genetically related to them. As a general rule, species which tend to help one another, other members of the species, tends to survive and thrive. You see, you see and, it's not just in rats, but in, in, in the great apes, you see this as well. Uh, you see this across a number of species. Yep. And there's another piece of it that uh, Stephanie had put over in, over in the chat, uh, and she had put, uh, quote, I think a more interesting demographic to check is wealth. Someone mm -hmm. who is poor knows how even losing $10 can be devastating. Richer people are not so reliable. I don't know that that's necessarily always the case, but for a general rule, those who've got, it, it's, it's, it's hard to say, because for me, even if you've got, I think a good portion of it really depends as to what you were brought up to believe in the first place. If you were brought up to understand that other people have got it hard sometimes, and that ten dollars could make or break somebody, and you remember, you know, back the eighties, you know, the mid late eighties, ten dollars went a lot further than it did today. Just saying, you know, we can we can easily make the argument that uh, I think, and. The, the, me, Mr. Lame person over here. Lame, lay, whatever. <laughs> I could easily say, just because you've got money doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to be less worried for somebody else losing their money. But if you understand what the value is to anyone and everyone, for me, that kind of formational, um, I may be saying this wrong, and I'm going to blame the wine, uh, formational concept would be, well, like I've, like I've used, if it ain't yours, don't do anything with it. It's not my wallet. Whatever's inside of it, that's theirs they deserve to have it back now to that degree a kid in an arcade which admittedly at the time okay yeah they're gonna want the money because they want the money the rest of the stuff is not quite as valuable because you know at the time who wants a driver's license uh, who needs an id extra okay here's your wallet there you go i mean they're speaking to what you're you're talking about not specifically with regard to um wealth but there is evidence suggesting that uh power is negatively correlated with uh empathy right so people who are wealthier people are sorry not wealthy people who have more power typically tends to find it more difficult to empathize with others in part because you know you're 
your job, your role doesn't require you to do so, right? Because and, you're you're separated. Um, well, I would assume that it, it, in a lot of ways that you'd end up being um, separated strata-wise, um, socioeconomically, and maybe mm-hmm. maybe that's the, the wrong way of thinking about it, but minimally socially. Yeah. I mean, the, the the great example is is your boss, right? Your boss has no sympathy for you typically when you when you I uh, could make it to work because of X, Y, or Z, right? Typically, a boss has less sympathy for you than your coworkers do, right? They empathize less with you because it's not really their job, right? Uh, it's it's that's not a thing that they have to worry about. Whereas people who tend to be on the bottom of the ladder, they're the ones that have to be really good at empathizing because. They're the ones that have to think, what's that person going to think? What's that person, how they're going to react to what I say or what I do? Because you're the one who stands to be on the chopping block if you screw up, right? So as a general rule, more power equals less empathy. And so insofar as power is tied to socioeconomic status, it kind of makes sense that a person who has less money is better able to put themselves in the shoes of another person and say, hmm, is this a thing that I would, uh, I would want? Yeah, I can I can kind of see that. Um, back when I was uh, getting started with the inbound telephone sales company up here, and I'm not naming names. <laughs> I'm not naming names. It's been a long time since I was with this company, and they don't exist up over here anymore. They've changed names twice over at this point, but be that as it may. Here in the Buffalo market, we were actually told, if the buses are running, if mass transit is running, we expect you to be here. Even if you're late, we're expecting you to be here. And remember, Buffalo occasionally gets um, two meters of snow in a weekend. Mm-hmm. Those are not fun times, let me yeah. tell you. Because um, I, I had a little baby uh, Honda Civic hatchback, and it was covered with an extra two feet of snow on top of it. I I intentionally dug it out just to make sure that the snow plows that were coming down the street didn't accidentally hit it because it was white and the snow was white and you get the idea. But no, I, I, I get where you're coming from. Uh, There can, there can very easily be less sympathy because the expectation is, wow, this is going to sound like very cynical on my side. We're expecting you to be here and um, get your ass here because we're paying you to be here. Uh, you're you're okay. You you got a problem with your dog, and why aren't you here? Yeah, and yeah, that's kind of it. If you're if you're in power, you don't really need to um, show empathy. It's not it's not not part of your job description, right? No, and so and... there's never been a need to. But if you're low in empathy. Or sorry, if you're low in the totem pole. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say it's uh, situations like that. It, it's like, you know what? Um, yeah, you you go ahead and take care of your dog. By the way, you're fired because there's 500 people behind you that are willing to play ball with my rules, so I'll pay one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was... Yeah. There is that, and that sucks. Um and I think that's part of the reason why uh, my very, I, I've talked about it on many occasions. The first job that I had at 16 years old was at a local pharmacy, locally owned, locally run, 
and it was family. Everybody was treated like family. You had something that was going on. Look, talk with the other guys. Get the shift covered. Saw the shift is covered. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, we understand. Stuff happens. Just you know, work with us to make sure that that works. Now, admittedly, you know, it was two guys working in, uh, you know, as partners. Their families were basically the ones that were, you know, running the, running the the company. And you know, there was like maybe a dozen of us all together that were there at any one time. And when you've got fewer people, when you've got a, a much tighter group like that, there's far less of that stratification that ends up happening. And that's something that um, I've I've never forgotten. I've 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 thought of, I've compared every job I've ever had against that one to see who cares? Who really cares about the people that, you know, you're doing your thing with? So I guess if you're going to, to just to tie this back to the original question, then I would say that insofar as we're assuming that a, this group uh, of people answering these, this, this question is probably more liberal than conservative. And insofar as we can assume if, if many of them are transgender people themselves or transgender activists, they may well be used to sort of being lower in power in society. Uh, it would kind of make sense that they have this stronger desire for, for empathy, for fair play, for you don't break the rules, the rules are the rules, you play fair. That's the way it works. And so on those grounds alone, it kind of makes sense why you'd see those, those results the way you would do. I have a, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go on. I guess there's there's another theory I can talk about too to to sort of throw a monkey wrench into this as well, but I don't know if you want me to make it more complicated or not. (laughs) We can keep chatting about this. (laughs) Well, let me, let me keep a hold on this one. But Joey, you, you are the, um, you, you are the, the movie quote God of us all. Wasn't there something about, um, good and evil that was mentioned in Spaceballs. <laughs> it's not the first thing that popped into my mind, but... Evil always wins because good is dumb. <laughs> I believe that's the quote. Eh, close. <laughs> but the first thing that came to my mind was, in fact, uh, Army, uh, Army of Darkness. Uh-huh. Um, are we are we gonna mention screwheads? What what no. what am I what am I thinking of? Good, evil. I'm no, the guy no. with the gun. Good, no, no, no. Hmm? Good, bad. I'm the guy with the gun. So he gets to make the rules as to what's good and bad. By this axe, I rule, King Cole. Or then there's the the cynical golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules. What we can keep going life? here. <laughs> oh, okay, now, now, Joey, you've heard, you've heard, you've heard an actual, an alternate response to that. <laughs> what is best in life? Conan the Barbarian might disagree with you, but <laughs> but helping you is is the greatest thing for me. <laughs> Paraphrase from Google Assistant. Uh and there's another one. And um, 
I'm going to use this one only because I think that it's both so uber nerd, but kind of <clears throat> falls along with it all. Whosoever. No, wait. I'm sorry. I'm Dallin, I know go. later. I know later go. you're going to go ahead and you're going to be shit for this, but I'm sorry. I have to, I have to use this one. Whosoever holds this hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor. Mm. I know, I know. Normally I wouldn't go ahead and use the Echo, but every once in a while there's moments for it. And I think that is one of the things that, uh, for me, kind of lays into the whole fantasy part. And, uh, and, 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 and it does because, well, let's face it, the mythology that is the comic rendition of it all we we kind of know about this one because of the current modern mythology that is the marvel cinematic universe but it even goes back before that is the idea of well the sword and the stone of excalibur mm -hmm. he whoever pulls the sword from the stone shall be the king of all england and i'm paraphrasing a little bit because i've forgotten what the exact wording was but um and uh bridget i i kind of want your your take on this all the idea that for these might makes right but they were also tempered from the idea of whosoever has this power is worthy to have that power and that's something that we kind of seem to miss a lot of times these days no well i'm trying to think here i don't know exactly what you're asking <laughs> okay well let's uh let's put it this way um the office of president of the united states of america mm -hmm. he who should be lucky enough to gain all the votes necessary in the electoral college shall wield the office that is the power stone of the western hemisphere I don't know that that's necessarily true that they, you know, should, a lot of it should be dependent on the character, but that's not always the case. By the power of the electoral college. And there are some who think that that power should be abolished as far as the electoral college, because it gives, you know, some places too much yeah. of a say. Well, there's been, I actually did hear an interesting counter to that recently about uh, if you did go to the strict popular vote. Um, the the so-called flyover states. Um, I know one particular person uh, cites Wyoming quite a bit for this one. Mm -hmm. um, imagine now that you live in a state where no matter how you vote, no, no matter what you believe, no matter what your principles are, it doesn't count for crap because the president will always be elected in places like California, New York, um, Massachusetts, like all the major population centers. Mm -hmm. So now you've got places like Wyoming, places and other states that are, say, heavy into agriculture where your food is grown 
a lot of people who are disaffected by the fact that they now have no power and realize the only way they can have a say in how things go is if they move to these larger population centers. Suddenly, there's no, there are no farms. No one's going to, no one's going to stay in a state to grow crops because basically now it's it's almost I won't say it's slave labor, but it's it's basically these people will now have no representation in government because nothing they do like they they could all band together and and vote they could have a solid voter base, but it still won't mean crap because they don't have the numbers of like one or two of the major population states. So the the popular vote is not going to work. In fact, it could kill the American economy as it stands right now. Yeah, but at the same time, I don't think people ought to have disproportionate power either. I mean, there needs to be another way of doing things other than what it is right now. You shouldn't have one person be able to, you know, pull away power from 50 others. Okay, yeah, there is There There needs to be a balance somehow. I I don't know what the answer to that would be or what it would look like, but what we have right now doesn't work. And... Like you said, there are problems with popular vote not working either. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe a parliamentary system or something. Yeah, something. Like which which is kind of like what we have. Like mm-hmm. up here, um, like when I go to cast a vote, I'm not voting for Trudeau or uh, whatever the hell his name is in the in the PC party or the NDP. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I, I've, I've been so disconnected from it all. I don't uh, I don't even know who. But I am voting for a seat mm-hmm. from a local representative who will then go to Ottawa and be in, in parliament or, or be part of that. So the party I vote for is ultimately who uh, ultimately decides who will go into um, who will become prime minister. I can't remember which one it was, um, but one prime minister didn't even win in, in his own writing. He he lost his own seat, but because the rest of the party, a countrywide, got enough seats, he was still made prime minister because he was still the de facto leader of the party. So now, like, we have parliament, but you guys have Congress, mm-hmm. which works a hell of a lot differently. You know, Agreed. like, uh, pretty much, it, if I, if I understand, if I remember correctly, um, there is no lifetime appointment uh, anywhere in Canada. When it comes to election time, it's all up for grabs. Mm-hmm. So it's, I'd almost call that incentive to do well by your constituents because they could leave you in, in as quickly as four years. Yeah, that, that, that brings up an interesting point. Uh, I don't know if you want to, uh, I don't know if you want to, uh, kind of tackle this this uh piece doctor but um the idea of um excuse me well accountability like dallin was saying you know on your side of the border when elections come up you know all in versus over here where it's you know every two every four depending as to what's going on uh sorry uh two four six yes Depending as to uh, which which branch or, or which seat you're in, you could be up for election every two years, every four years, or every six, 
the only thing that's a lifetime appointment around here is on our Supreme Court, which until you abdicate or die, oh crap, that kind of makes our Supreme Court a lot like the papal ship. <laughs> Damn, I really didn't want to think of it like that. Really didn't want to think of it like that. Anyway, uh, but um, like I said, the the question of accountability. Now, I don't I don't know if um, if you want to kind of swing back to what you were going to recomplicate with, or if this seems like a, a little bit more fun to go ahead and play with. I guess it helps if I unmute my microphone, doesn't it? It happens. <laughs> it happens. We deal with that once in a while. Don't worry about it. So, um. Not sure I quite understand. I guess I'm thinking from a psychological perspective. I guess I'm trying to understand where the where the psychological question is there. Well, the um, the idea for those who've got the power tend to be less sympathetic to those that don't. The more power they have, sorry, mm -hmm. the more diff. The, um, the difference in separation of that power. Yeah, that's probably the, the best way I can, I can say it. The more separation there is, the less empathy there tends to be, if, 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 if I remember the way that you were describing it before, right? Yeah, I was going to say the, the, the greater discrepancy in power between two people, the more or the less empathy the person who has more power has towards the person with less empathy. People who have less power have less empathy, typically. Okay, okay. Oh, sorry, so I have more empathy. I have more empathy. No nope. power. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Um, one of the pieces that was uh, that was built into the question before from uh, from the, the the Facebook question was the accountability part, and that's kind of where I'm where I'm going with oh, this because those huh. pieces kind of work together. Because in the question that we had, the accountability part was quote, assume that you won't ever be caught lying. Mm -hmm versus like we said over here every two years or every four years or every six years you come up for an election yeah and in between those time frames you're pretty safe see i suppose i'm i'm i guess my problem is still a little more structural with the question um i'm not convinced that people are even taking that part into account because uh, it's gotten at that point that it's it's just been so long to get to it. Well, then not not just that. There's another uh, theory about how moral decision making works, and I don't know if you want me to get into that or not. It's a fun theory. Uh, I like talking about. My students love go for it. it but, okay. So uh, the theory is called the social intuitionist theory, or social intuition theory, and the the gist of the theory is that whenever we answer, a, whenever we're presented with a question, is this right or wrong? Um, we like to think we're very logical, very rational in the way we answer this question. And that is a complete illusion. In actuality, when it comes to questions about what is right or what is wrong, we answer on a completely emotional basis. We base it on our, how does that make me feel? And after the fact, we come up with post hoc rationalizations for why we chose that way. Uh, as a really funny demonstration of this, uh, not not to get too crude, but this is sort of the classic demonstration of it. Um, you can ask a person, um, is is sex between a brother and sister wrong morally? Right. And and most most people will say, oh, yeah, of course. Right. When I ask my classes, a classroom full of 40 people will say, yeah, it's totally wrong. I say, OK, good. That, that, that is the classic response. Virtually everyone will respond that way. Right. And so I say, 
So, so I, I know you, you, you can feel free to answer. And, you know, again, be, be totally honest. Do you think it's morally wrong? Play I, along with me here. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. My, my, my real answer is I've never really considered it. I would have to have a little bit of, uh, a little bit of time to, to think on a couple of different pieces about it. But for the moment, I will grant you the piece and say, yeah, that, that shouldn't happen. Okay. So if you were to, so, okay. So, and most people will say that. I say, great. Uh, explain to me why. Explain to me, give me a reason why a brother and sister, it's morally wrong for them to have sex. Go ahead. Okay. The, you, if, if I see where you're trying to steer this down through and, and, and that, that, that's the reason why I'm going to go with this, that would usually start to go down through the whole, well, we know that after several generations down, because <laughs> you know, the, the, um, kingdoms and whatnot. Yeah. Incest interbreeding. Yeah. Start to end up with people with really big ears and big noses and teeth and kind of look a lot like Prince Charles. Bingo. I have no idea what yeah. I was thinking about. <laughs> Rece recessive genes, uh, tend to be, you know, uh, uh, have deleterious effects when you interbreed. So absolutely. That is a perfectly rational explanation. So, well, well, as as I've understood it, rational only in so much as that, like you were saying, it makes me feel good. But if I remember right, the rationality kind of starts to break down with the statistics. Well, well, I mean, I, I can say at very least that's a perfectly defensible argument, right? So yes, this is exactly this is an exactly perfectly defensible argument. One could say that is a perfectly rational reason to say why brother and sister shouldn't have sex. Okay, so let's say let let's let's change my my situation now. A brother and sister choose to have sex. And they use two forms of birth control, right? The, the sister's on the pill and the brother has a condom. Is it therefore now totally morally okay? To which the answer from the person is typically... Um, I, 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 think I, know, I think I know the answer to this one. The answer at this point is usually... Uh... Yeah, exactly. They'll, 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 they'll say no and I'll say, okay, well, why? And they'll give other reasons. They'll say, oh, well, it's, it's damaging to the family. It could damage the reputation. And then I could change the, my, my uh, example and say, okay, well, they have sex once and no one ever finds out about it. And then they say, oh, well, there might be power differentials in their relationship. And you can say, okay, it was consensual. They both agreed to it. They are twins, so they're the same age. Uh, you, you, you can continuously create a situation that addresses every one of their moral concerns until they're backed into a corner and they have no other choice but to admit I can't tell you why it's wrong. It's but it just, just is. Right. And, and, and when you do that to people, you start to realize very quickly that the reason they think it's wrong has nothing to do with the reasons they've given. It's because when you say a brother and sister having sex, they go, oh, that's icky. That's disgusting. That makes me feel ew. And so they base their decision on that, but they know that that's not a tangible, defensible reason. And so they come up with post hoc rationalizations. But the decision itself was based entirely on an emotional response. You say the same thing ever, you know, everything from from sh should gay marriage be allowed? People come up with all kinds of reasons for why it should or shouldn't. But ultimately, the reason that they're actually basing their answer on is does gay marriage make you feel icky or not? The question of abortion and whether abortion should be legalized or not. People will give all kinds of rationalizations for it. But in the end, the real reason they fell on one side or the other is does the thought of a child being aborted make you feel icky or not? Or does the thought of the government coming in and telling a woman what she can or can't do with her body make you feel icky, right? So that's how we make moral decisions. 
And so when you come back to this question of, you know, this really elaborate, complex question of, is it right to, to lie and to tell a lie and to spread this false story in order to yada, 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 people will come up with all kinds of post hoc rationalizations, but I'm willing to bet that the actual reason they fall on one side or the other comes down to, does lying make me feel icky or not? <laughs> and I'm willing to bet that for liberals, they're more likely to say, than, than conservatives are to say, uh, lying makes me feel just wrong. It's just, it doesn't feel good. They come with all kinds of reasons after the fact, some of which are perfectly plausible, perfectly defensible, but that's not the reason they answered the way they did. That's, that's really interesting. It, it can, when, you, when you learn this model, it completely changes the way you think about morality. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the panel thinks if everyone totally disagrees with me or, or no, it, it's um, it, it's when you mentioned the whole uh, coming up with rationalizations um, as to why uh, there shouldn't be gay marriage. It just reminded me of something a podcaster did a few years ago. Um, George. Yeah. A guy by the name of George Rob. Uh, he hosts a show called the geologic podcast and he got a hold of a, a bit of a manifesto. And it was 88 reasons, or 88, excuse me, non-religious regions, reasons. That was 77. Okay. Uh, well, in either way, for man-woman marriage. Uh, and this was a this was something done by a group called the Ruth Institute. And George spent that entire episode rebuking each and every single one of those reasons. Like, he basically, he refuted every single one of them. Um. And it was funny, just I think it was last year or year or two years ago. Um, the Ruth Institute has now been labeled a hate group by the SPLC. Well, for what well, that's worth. Yeah. Well, I'm willing to bet that after if you were to sit a person from that organization down and rebuke, you know, logically rebuke every single one of those 77 arguments and convincingly so, and get them to agree that okay, that's a, that's a that's an actual refutation and stuff, at the end of the day, they would still fall on the side. Of it's still wrong because their emotional response hasn't changed. That's oh, I yeah, I agree. I agree completely. Um, you know, and it's uh, the biggest problem when you when you try it, when you end up admitting that it's an emotional thing. Well, then suddenly it's no longer rational. Yep, and the problem is everyone responds like this. This is how we make moral decisions. But we're, we've convinced ourselves that we're rational. You know, even even academics with 20 years of you know education and research under their belts aren't immune to this. I, I'm telling you about this theory, knowing full well that I myself am not immune to it just because I know this theory and that this theory is how it works. Right. Well, if you were immune, you wouldn't be human. Right. And so the this is one of the reasons why these moral quandaries seem to why people seem to talk past one another because they'll throw reasons at each other all day. And you're 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 missing the mark entirely. You're going after something that's not the actual reason why they believe they what they believe. Shooting down their arguments is is wasting your time because it's not going to change their mind. Not because they're closed-minded, not because they're irrat, not because like they're any more irrational than you are, but simply because that's not how moral reasoning works. It makes for an interesting piece. Uh, but knowing Mm. I'm going to ask you kind of a curveball on this because Dallin said, you know, if, if you weren't affected, you know, it would be human. 
but the the heavy duty meta to to this and and maybe i'm not even saying that right uh the weird inside out to the whole damn thing is when we know about these situations when we know about these foibles in the the human condition um how well are we able to really counter that for ourselves is that something that i i, I think maybe i'm i i i may be asking less professional and more personal on this one then um i i think i think i get what you're saying um i think because ultimately we can all agree it's kind of desirable to make decisions in a moral decisions in a more rational than a more emotional way so how do we how do we do it and I would argue uh, that the best thing we've got is to a recognize this flaw in ourselves, recognize and and have that sort of honest self-assessment and say, look, you know, despite the fact that I, I come across with an error of of rationality and and high thinking, critical thinking ability, I'm just as susceptible to this as anyone else. Being able to acknowledge that's there, and then try to um, think critically about it. Don't don't mindlessly debate about morality, right? If you're going to answer a moral question, do so in a way where you're thinking critically, where you're being challenged, where you're constantly being forced to, to think about what is my emotional response to this? Uh, when, you, when we make quick decisions, those are the decisions that are guided by our emotions, right? When we make snap decisions or we don't stop and think about it, that's when we're most susceptible to it. It's when we stop and we say, I'm going to read books on this. I'm going to debate with people I disagree on this to try to see if there are good reasons on the other side. I'm going to, you know, uh, uh, see what my, gauge my emotional response to this and say, hey, can someone change my emotional response and change my mind on this? And I think if we're open to that sort of self-criticism, then we stand a chance of being something at least approaching rational. Yeah, Bridget, I think uh, I think I want to I think I want to kind of hit you on this one a little bit. Okay. We, you and I, we've had we've had uh, the occasional run-in with folks, uh, especially on Facebook, where we've hit a couple of people every once in a while. Not nearly as much as Heretic Woman. <laughs> or 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 Al, or or um, you know the 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 short stuffs down south, mm-hmm. but every once in a while we end up we end up kind of you know crossing horns with some folks, and um, hearing this now, um, I don't know about you, but when when I'm dealing with folks, I tend to take a hell of a lot longer to really talk through or or to you know, get my information together for an argument before I go ahead and say, you know, well, you're just a duty head. No. Hmm. I mean, do you, do you kind of feel like that too for, for yourself versus some of these other people that we've dealt with or more, pro, more so even with um, people who have been in the elected official areas who have um, elected up, shall we say? Well, I mean, with most people, I do try to have you know, facts lined up, uh, resources they can look at, you know, before I go into a debate. But most of the time, what seems to work for me is trying to meet somebody where they are and get them to think piece by piece about what I'm saying 
And sometimes it actually works to bring them over to where I'm at. Or they'll say, well, I need to think about this a little more and examine my position a little more closely. The uh, What's been termed the uh, the Socratic method to, to make people think through one step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time to finally get them looking over the precipice and going, wow, shit. Uh, well, wait a minute. Yeah, I find that more effective than beating them over the head. <laughs> well, uh, I think part of what this model suggests, too, is that um, as much as we don't want to admit it, these sorts of debates are really a debate about hearts and minds, not just about minds. People are quite convinced if I throw enough reason and evidence at my opponents, I will <laughs> win them over. And that's just not how it typically works unless they're really willing to be self-critical. And most people really aren't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ain't that the case? It's no, and and that's. Um, <laughs> I mean, how how many times have I said it? Uh, how many times do you yell at a brick wall before you realize you're yelling at a brick wall? Mm -hmm. uh, conversations between my and my ex father in law were of of epic proportions, like this. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a very conservative individual, socially, fiscally, politically, religiously. Um. And of course, he lives in a small town. I live in a city. Um, and of course, as soon as you do that, you're exposed to a lot more things culturally. And boy, am I ever. Um, but then try to communicate that to somebody who's, you know, basically had their head in the sand for so many years. Um, I never, in, in the years that I was married, I don't think I ever changed his mind on anything once. And again, don't be under no illusions that this happens on both sides. This isn't just me sort of saying, oh, conservatives are closed minded. And oh, no, this, it's this is absolutely true on our on, on liberal side. Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. I was I was steadfast in a lot of my things for for years. Until someone just showed me like, you know what, you're an idiot. And here's why. And I went. Uh, yeah, you're right. OK. Oops. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a. There's a piece I was actually going to be holding over for next week, uh, uh, a thing that I had on Facebook that um, I'm, I'm going to condense the, I'm going to, I'm going to condense this piece that I had only because uh, it, it'll make this a little bit easier uh, to where the, the idea of, of talking against a brick wall kind of thing. The, somebody had gone ahead and basically said, look, if the president go ahead, goes ahead and says, I'm going to declare a national emergency in order to get done what I want. Had gone ahead and said, well, what happens if the next Democratic president comes out and says, I'm declaring a national emergency, a national crisis because of gun deaths, which, to be fair, an argument could be made for that but that's not what we're going for for the second all right but if they did that and use that as power to see about outlawing guns in the same kind of fashion as what uh england uh england australia did after the shooting in the 90s look that one up people what would stop that president 
from doing that once the genie is put out of the bottle. My thing was with somebody that I've known for a very, very long time. If you're saying that, let me, let me, let me get the right, uh, let me get the right piece over here. Um, because it's, it's important that I, uh, that I put it this way. Okay. The person I knew had said that, um, use the expression, quote, good law abiding people, gun owners, but had used the term good law abiding people. My question was, but if the law changed, what would those good law abiding citizens do? And the answer I got back was that it's too complicated to talk about over on Facebook. But I asked, does that then mean that the it's less the law abiding and more the gun owner that's important to these people? Now, I'm using this as an example of you can run into a brick wall where he, on, on this side of the border, the gun culture is a very palpable thing. Any, any argument about gun control can be very easily just brick walled and you're just going to run your head still into it. Mm-hmm. And I'm using this one only because this is one of the most famous examples in this country of that happening when you say but what if the law changed well these law abiding gun owners would then go from good law abiding gun owners to gun owners and the law abiding part kind of goes away we who are more skeptical we would we would like to think and we we know for well we don't always we have various things that we want to believe very hard and may not necessarily always be right the question of how to deal with energy production the question occasionally comes up of well, sure, you could get solar panels built, but how much crap is put into the environment from building those first and getting them transported and then getting them installed? And then the break-even point, is it really worth versus just sticking with the way that things are now? Well, geez, shit. Um, no, you know what? I don't know how much um, diesel fumes are put into the environment by the train that takes the stuff from the factory that uses gas-fueled furnaces hmm. from the milling machines that grind up the stuff. To y- y- You see where I'm going. We don't always necessarily know where all the different pieces are. Oh that say that yes we're right or no we're wrong there was and we're a, willing uh, to just you know just butt heads on it 
Yeah, there was a podcaster I used to listen to, a um, good friend of mine, actually, Daryl Cognito. I uh, used to run a show called Atomic Suburbia, and he got into this exact same thing uh, concerning the Prius. Uh, back then, the Prius was like the, the, new, the new kid on the block. And, of course, it was the first very popular hybrid. I, I think the Honda Insight was the original uh, machine. Still see a few of off. Yeah, I, I still see a few of those ever so often. Uh, there was one I wish I'd taken pictures of it because if Heretic Woman was on here tonight, I could have shown some photos. Oh, my God. The trouble is the guy was in the car at the time and probably would have thought it was creepy. Anyway. Well, you are, but that's... Uh, yeah. Other, other, moving, <laughs> yeah. On, moving on, moving on. Yeah, that, that aside. Um, but no, one of the things Daryl talked about on that on that particular episode was the whole idea of yes the prius sounds like the greatest thing since sliced bread because you get this like super awesome gas mileage but what about what goes into making it you know like is it how long before it actually pays itself off in terms of its carbon debt if you will and that that was sort of the big thing same thing with with tesla you know, like, uh, what do we know about the assembly? What do we know about uh, transport? Um, you know, how much until it pays itself off? You know, but at the same time, okay, you got to, you, you think of that, but then how else are you going to get this these innovative vehicles on the road so they can actually start doing some good? It, I forgot to let you finish your point. What's that? Uh, sorry, I don't know if you were still speaking. I didn't want oh, to sorry. No, I'm done now. <laughs> okay. Um, I was <clears> say, so, so I feel like some of these are straying a little bit in the sense that these are we're getting sort of out of the realm of morality. So the question, for example, of what's the most efficient way to create create power that's that's best for the environment, there is in theory an objectively correct response to that, right? There is an objectively correct response to um, that sort of question. As opposed to a question like the one that, that the original question was posing of, is it morally right to do this thing? I think as soon as you veer outside of the realm of morality, then then in theory, people can be a little bit more uh, fact-based and a little more swayed by um, arguments. But when it comes to these more moral questions, the question of what is morally correct, that's where it comes down to, it boils down to um, emotions. And if you want to use the, the gun control, for example, is it right for for people for a country to to support owning weapons that um may increase the likelihood of of murder rates happening or murder happening um people's responses to that is emotional if you're coming to that argument armed with fact you're you know no pun intended you're coming to a a a, a gunfight with a knife right mm -hmm. ultimately the question you really need to ask is how does this person feel about the issue and where are those feelings come from? Because if you're not addressing those, if you're not changing how they feel about it, you're wasting your time. Okay, but before you get away from that, uh, there's there's an, an interesting part that I want to hit you with before before we get past that, hmm. um, because there there's an intersection of <clears throat> statistics and morality that's important for this item in particular, mm -hmm. and it's an uncomfortable one, and uh, I, I want to kind of pitch this one out i don't know if you want to handle this one directly uh, straight away or if you want to let the, the rest of the panel deal with this one first doc but um toddlers shooting toddlers 
we end up hearing about this i'm gonna i'm gonna use the expression more than one time mm -hmm. i i should say more appropriately more than zero times yep. in this country per month double month whatever it happens more than any of us would care to like to see exactly and this is th that is specifically one of those types of uh of things where the statistics and the morality grind heavy against each other for people like me who have a kid fortunately never have to deal with this thing but mm. hearing these stories um like i said i don't know if the rest of the panel want to touch on that at all but i've ended up hearing from people who have basically said that statistic is for lack of a better way of putting it they've kind of thrown up their hands and said oh well things happen well so so the problem is you're you're what you're emotionally responding to is different in a person supporting gun rights versus not supporting gun rights so to a liberal who 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 is sort of uh uh pro gun restriction in, in some way or gun control in some way or, or or fashion that's they have an emotional response to that they're saying how can you look at this situation and not have your heart pulled by it if you look at uh the other side of the issue they're responding emotionally too but not to that particular issue to them they're responding emotionally with fear they're saying well hold on think of how awful it would be to have an intruder come into your house and to just let your family be killed or murdered by them how awful would that be how can you not care about that or they would say things like um you know uh at the the, the foundation of the country was based on on fighting back tyranny how awful would it be to be at the whims and the mercy of a government that dictated this is what you're supposed to do despite what you know, you know have your freedom quashed like that their response is uh, every bit as emotional as the other side is you're just basing your emotional responses on two different things so once again you'll throw facts and figures and talk past one another until you recognize oh that's the emotional response they're having and until i change that emotional response i'm never going to get them to change their mind a perfect sort of example of changing a person's emotion to change their mind look at every congressperson who's changed their stance on gay marriage once they've discovered oh shit i have a gay son i have a gay cousin i have a gay suddenly the emotions have changed entirely yeah. i can't hate my gay son therefore i my emotions have changed on a dime and i know i i've I flipped you haven't you know thrown any facts at me my emotions have changed it, yeah. it doesn't happen until it happens to me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and uh, as an aside, uh, Stephanie over in the chat. By the way, guys, yes, I have been reading your stuff. Don't don't think that I haven't been. Uh, I, I try not to typeity typeity because it ends up coming through this microphone a little bit too often. Which, by the way, I don't remember if I'm talking through the right. Have I been talking through the right microphone this whole time? Yeah, you sound fine. Okay. Because I, every once in a while, I forget to double check. I, I worry that it's going through the webcam microphone is put anyway uh stephanie had put <laughs> i read somewhere that only a third of u.s citizens actually own a gun and about three percent are the gun fanatics with arsenals mm -hmm. i have no way of verifying in any way shape or form right now if those statistics have any validity whatsoever but 
as the saying goes, the squeaky wheel does get the grease. Or very specifically the attention. Well, yeah, and you can have you can have three percent, you can have 0.7%, but if they are loud as hell, the the you know, John John Q public will think that they are the sweeping majority of people and, and that you know. 99% of the population actually thinks that or believes that or is that for, for one matter or another. Uh, it's it's amazing how how much your perspective is affected uh, just by how loud um, a certain a certain segment of the population is. But that gets to be a little bit more interesting when you start to think in the terms of if one of those people gets... Okay, let, let's 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 go with let's go with the idea of a third of citizens. Just for for the sake of argument for a second. One in three. A in an old timey police service revolver. I'll show you how far back I'm going. The good old fashioned snub thirty-eight, Smith and Wesson. Yes, I remember them all too well. I'll explain another time why. Holds six bullets with with a theoretical let let's let's say a theoretical fifty percent hit rate. That one person could theoretically hit three other people, whether fatally or otherwise whether correct or not and in that kind of situation i can see where the emotional side can come out very hard to the idea of any one person could theoretically hurt or kill up to six people themselves not necessarily included until and unless somebody shoots them. But then that starts to also beget the whole, well, a good a good guy with a gun is the answer to a bad guy with a gun, which then gets bantered back with the whole, well, what do you want? Everybody's shooting at each other, which eventually comes back around to the whole, but an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. It ping-pongs back and forth so damn many times that you kind of lose track of what's going on and who's supposed to be arguing for what, because what are you really arguing about? Are you arguing for hearts? Are you arguing for statistics? I mean, the, the real good test is just entertain the the you know hypothesis. Let's say let's say we're absolutely true that in one hundred percent of cases, a good guy with a gun absolutely always stops a bad guy with a gun. Does that persuade you? You know, does that change your mind? I'm willing to bet it wouldn't change your mind. You would still say, yeah, but it's still it's still wrong, right? Or let, let's say on the flip side, I could I could I could definitively get rid of one hundred percent of all children childhood shootings in, in in america would you still say it's right you, you still have to entertain these sort of situations and people would still have problems with the other side 
because they're building their arguments on on these pillars of emotion as opposed to Yeah, I can, I can, I can see where that can, uh, where that can be, um, and now that you'd, uh, now that you'd talked about the whole, you know, we have a tendency to to answer these problems with emotions a lot, and it really drives a, a, a good portion of how we how we answer about stuff. Man, this makes me incredibly self conscious about, I. I personally would like to think that I try really hard to think through before I really lay down on an issue. I mean, it's part of the reason why I've got the damn show in the first place. Yeah, but sometimes the knee jerk happens. Agreed. It, it happens to me a lot. <laughs> Agreed. Um, but now that you've made mention about that, it it now makes me kind of even more self conscious to think through as much as I can with as trying to be more far more conscious of that emotional part because mm -hmm. if there's oh sh wow there's a piece that I learned a long time ago back when I was doing boxing in my teens believe it or not Something that I was taught before you get into the ring. Don't fight angry. Mm -hmm. Wow. That just suddenly came back to me because shit. Man, you lose track of everything. And I, ne I never thought of it in terms of, you know, intellectual discourse at well, the same time. And it, it's exactly, it's exactly that. Yeah. No, like, um, you know, I, I do watch a lot of, uh, you know, and it's called it a guilty pleasure, but I do a lot of, watch a lot of sort of pseudo political crap on YouTube during the day, uh, largely because, well, I just need some background noise when I'm working. Uh, let's, um, let's, let's go with, uh, let's, let's call it homework. Yeah, let's 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 do that. Yeah, you, you can sure. call it that too because well, um, it's it's nice to come into a show like this with a little bit of something under my belt because sometimes things are relevant. Um, and what I find is that the very popular shows that I see, like the ones that get the most views, unfortunately, are very emotional. Are emotional based. They they yell, they scream, they shout. A lot of their arguments don't make sense. And then if you look at the counterpoint, because let's face it, the, when you when you look at anything kind of political or news stuff on YouTube, you will find one video, and then you will find at least six people that are ready to call call people out on it. You know, they, they will call it on, on a mistake that was made on fake news. Um, I just, I, I heard one today that was kind of disturbing. Um, but it, it's amazing that you'll get this really emotional piece, you know, a very angry person, and then you'll have three other people tear that video apart with a relatively... I won't say monotone, but uh, definitely they're 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 bringing out the facts, they're bringing out the rationale, they're bringing out the reason 
And to me, it just, it just kills the original video's credibility because you, you actually, you can see that they came at it from an emotional uh, reaction and they were in effect wrong. But you won't change their minds with rationality. Like all those no. little videos will have no effect. Oh no, it, it yeah. won't. Uh, as a matter of fact, those people will double and triple down because, well, a, you've questioned them, which is an automatic blow to your ego, and then of course you're going to want to dig your heels in. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> it's a never-ending cycle, and if you happen to be able to monetize it, good on you. You've just hit a very lucrative market. Um. But no, Shushan, I saw you rolling your eyes about the fake news. Um, I caught an article today from The Rock, or it featured The Rock, basically calling out uh, what some people have called Generation Snowflake. And apparently he tore into them. You know, grow up, man up, and I, I can't believe that our brothers in arms died for, for people like you. Like, he just was visceral the whole thing was a hoax someone at the someone at that uh, website had put this article together and had done so in such a way that it sounded genuine but yeah within within six hours someone else came in and said this is fake news and and exposed it like the, the guy who reported it posted another video apologizing and saying, you know what, I'm going to leave it here, but I'm going to update the video to say that this was proven to be fake. Just to show you how convincing people can be. Yeah, so everybody understands. Yeah, I I, I had heard about this one. Yeah. I have not read through it, so I don't <coughs> know the, the all ins and outs. The mm -hmm. biggest reason why I was rolling my eyes is that, like I had said last week, where, or, yeah, last week, where I had said that uh, I would really like the next year's word not to be dumpster fire. Mm -hmm. I really don't yeah. want the next year's term to be fake news because, well, I'm sick and tired of that. That's the reason why I was rolling my eyes, not for any yeah. reason. But uh, folks can understand that. No, and it's it is too bad. But but these days, um, you know, news sites are looking for. Well, they want the emotional response because that gets them damn clicks. That that mm -hmm. gets them the views. That gets them the popularity because they can't rely on newspaper subscriptions anymore. Because who who buys newspapers these days? If you if um, in terms of thinking about how to sort of practically move forward, how to do something useful, how to actually change hearts and minds, if that's the, mm -hmm. the goal to actually persuade people, yeah. Um, the advice I give, and this is sort of what I try to do, um, expose yourself to as much stuff that disagrees with you as possible. I inundate myself with media, uh, with positions, with politics that disagree with what I say. Um, and, and again, the more emotional, the better. Uh, and the reason is it, it does two things. One, it helps you learn to steal yourself so that you yourself don't become emotional in response. You, if you've, if you've listened to your, listen to this all the time and you're inundated with it, someone you know giving you a hot take that you disagree with doesn't you know doesn't have that knee-jerk response from you um, but the second more important thing is as you listen more and more to folks whose positions you disagree with you start to see through the arguments and to see oh i, I kind of get 
why they feel that way. I disagree entirely with the reasons they're giving, but I'm starting to understand this is coming from a place of fear. This is a scared person. This is a sad person. This is a hurting person. Mm -hmm. And it's only when you understand the person and, and you, can, you can have them understand, you know, and, and you can communicate to them, hey, I understand where you're coming from. I understand you're, you're hurting. I understand you're afraid. I understand when, when you let it be known that you understand their emotional response, only then can you start to actually have the kind of conversation that would go somewhere, that could actually lead to changing emotions um, as opposed to, I'm just, you know, you're an enemy to be destroyed. And it's hard to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah um, that's You put that very well. I think that's what I was trying to say when I said earlier that I try to meet people where they are. Is I try to look at things from their perspective. And sometimes it's hard because, you know, I don't know exactly what their perspective is because I'm not them. But I agree with you that that's the best way to win hearts and minds is to try to you know, look at things from another point of view and then walk people over. Yeah. And, and have them are. feel like they, they've been understood mm -hmm. because so, so often nothing is more frustrating than just feeling like you're not being listened to. You're not being understood. I mean, if you're a person trying, if, if you're a gun owner who's trying to communicate that I fear for my family's life, you know, and that's why I have these guns and you're saying, well, statistics say, no, no, you're not listening to me. <laughs> I'm, you know, everything you're saying, you're telling, you're trying to take away the one thing that makes me feel like I can protect my family. If you don't get that, this conversation's done. Nothing you say is going to, and you know, so it's only when you understand that, that any, any productive discourse is going to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, all those wonderful memories of the second amendment episode. <laughs> yeah. Though to be fair, you know, I was I have to say, I was pretty hard up in favor of freedom to own guns on that episode. And that was what, two years ago? Yeah, something like that. Or more. In any case. It's hard to keep track. But for me myself, I have to, to be fair, I have changed my tone quite a bit. Now, on the one hand, I am a gun owner. I'm also a veteran. I have a rather extensive amount of training in the proper usage and handling of firearms. On both sides of the barrel. Mm -hmm. um, do, do I think... Owning a firearm in the U.S. today should be a right. If I'm perfectly honest, no, because you know what? Uh, because you know something. Yes, guns kill people, but you know what? A hammer can kill somebody. A Crayola can kill somebody. A Buick can kill somebody. But here's the thing: at least with the Buick. A driver's license isn't a right. In my opinion, gun ownership. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I think we should in uh, we should have something similar to the way we uh, license and register uh, cars for firearms. And if you go ahead, yes, I I have also made this 
argument myself. Oh, but that's what, you know, that's what 1930s Germany did before they came and take, took away all the opposition's guns and, you know, the idea. Yeah. But ask yourself this, um, dead children worth it? Because honestly, if ever there was going to be some kind of military coup or some tyrannical overthrow of the U.S. government, look at how easy it is to get drugs, even though they're illegal these days. Look at how easy it is for somebody who isn't supposed to own a firearm still be able to get a firearm these days. Trust mm -hmm. me, if there was going to be a civil war, you'd still find your ways. You'd still find a way to get your hands on a gun. I want it to be known. I want it on the record that I do believe that Joey was specifically picking on me for my Italian heritage, mentioning about the Buicks <laughs> being used for killing people. I want you to know I've got your number. I've oh. got your number, son of a bitch. Okay, you're you're not helping with the stereotype there, dude. <laughs> I'm not I'm not mentioning the hey. toll booth at the hey. Jersey Turnpike. I'm not. God dang it. You you listen here. I, I learned everything I need to know from Joe Pesci, and Joe has never lied to me. Okay, 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 okay. We're we're not we're not gonna do that one tonight because we've been very good. We have we have not dropped a single F bomb tonight, and I'm no, really you did. proud for that. Did I? You did. I did. Where? You did. Sir? Oh, damn it. And uh, even, if, even if you hadn't, I already led us down the, the incest path already. So we've already, it, it, already it, it, thrown ourselves into the... Detail, details, details. Yeah, there, there's, it, it, that's it, genetics. It there, there's implicit and I, explicit. <laughs> I do have to share a little giggle that I experienced today. Go ahead. As some of, as some of you are aware, I am a rather uh, strong proponent of history. Um I, I like learning history, uh, learning about different histories from all across the world. And yes, I have learned quite a number of things from such folk as uh, Jamie Heineman. Uh, well, Jamie Heineman, but that's not that's not specifically history. I was more going to refer to folks such as John and Hank Green. Uh, well, I don't know. Jamie Heineman has made uh, helped make uh, cement trucks become history. True, true. Um, and I don't know na the actual name of the guy who made the History of the World, I guess, video. Oh, God. But, oh. yeah, that 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 was quite enjoyable for me. But I do saw I need, something do I need today. To, do I need to link that one again? Seriously. Probably. <laughs> um, but I saw something today that gave me one hell of a chuckle. Somebody had posted a collage of pride flags. And they had <clears throat> they had included them, uh, and for for some random reason. And of course, there was somebody who got all up in arms because the they also included a flag that was uh, in the rainbow format, but all shades of black, white, and gray, which was apparently the heterosexual pride flag and they were like why do we even need this and yeah there was a big argument after that but here's the thing <clears throat> i looked at it and i noticed one flag in particular and i think you'll spot it 
as soon as you uh, you'll know it as soon as you spot it. But being something of a history buff myself, it gave me quite a chuckle. <laughs> nice. I'm amused. Um. Okay, I see. I I don't have any way of opening that up into a into a, mm. a separate window at the moment. Oh. <laughs> I can't do screen share right now. I got it. I got it. Give me a second here. So for those of you that are listening, uh, Joe, you can go ahead and uh, explain it for the for the nice folks that are listening. And Well, okay. So it's just a collage of nine different pride flags. Uh, the first being transgender, which is the light blue, uh, light pink, white, light pink, light blue. And then the gay, the, the rainbow colored the Roy G. Biv uh, lesbian, which is uh, different shades of purplish, reddish, magenta-ish, pinkish kind of things. Cool. Uh, the bisexual flag, which is pink, purple, and blue. The pansexual flag, which is purple, uh, yellow, and uh, light blue. The asexual flag, which is black, gray, white, and purple. The gender queer flag, which is purple, white, and green, and the heterosexual flag, which is which directly matches the gay pride flag, except all in shades of black and white and gray. But here's the one that popped out to me. They included an incest flag. And what should they include? None other but the the royal sigil of the House of Habsburg. For those of us that are unfamiliar with, that would be the Hasbros are marrying into so many royal uh, royal families; they might have to start marrying each other. So there you go. So yeah, those of you that are listening and not necessarily watching, yes, you can go ahead and you can look that up for yourselves later because it's on the video. But be that as it may, I will uh, I will make sure that that's linked in the show notes because well. Somebody's got to do that. We got to wrap because we're actually a little bit over time, but um, I blame me for that. No, 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 yeah. no, no, no. This is okay. We're not very far over time, but the fact that we've gotten through uh, a lot of pieces that were actually really dense, I'm actually surprised that we're not further down the, the, the timetable than what we are. I think we've actually done a really good job of that. So, um, uh, Doctor Plant, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna hit you for, uh, for the very end of it all to give you kind of like the stinger for the whole thing. Um, as far as the rest of the panel was concerned, guys, was there anything else that you wanted to uh, finish off with? Uh, you know, dropping in before we uh, close out of here. I'm good. No, I think well, we've uh, we've covered. I've covered everything today. Not personally myself. It just got real. Uh, we we covered a lot of bases, but that's typically what we do when we do have a guest because we don't know when <clears> we're <throat> going to have that guest again. <laughs> well, considering that I've got to I got to sign off on his uh, court papers, I, I I guess he's going to be free to go after this one. So, um, I I will leave with this with the question that we were originally dealing with. 
the fact that it was a 70-30 split from a very non-scientific questionnaire with people basically saying, 70% of people saying, I don't care, I'm not going to get caught. And as much as I want this SOB out of business, I want to follow the rules because I want the rules to be followed. Now, how much there is behind that answer, there's a lot to be, there's a lot to be questioned. And there ain't no way we're going to get those questions answered. But for me personally, seeing that 70-30 said, I'd rather follow the rules and make the system work. So, so warmed my heart. And maybe I'm reading too far into it, but yeah, it's an emotional thing, but I'd like to think that maybe I've got the idealism still in me and I'm not nearly the cynic that some people think that I might be, including myself sometimes. Anyway, so since we've got the good doctor, and like I said, I'm going to give him the, the, the last thing for the whole damn thing. Dr. Plant, this is your big opportunity, man. Uh, I know I... I know when you when when we first uh, when I was first pitching this over to you, you were really gung ho because the moral part of this whole thing was, <laughs> wow, I want this. So, um, whatever it is that you think that you uh, we haven't touched well enough on, or that you want to have folks really think about, man, floor is yours. Feel free at this point. <laughs> Oh God! I feel like you've given me enough time already. I've talked everyone's ears off. No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> you, you uh, in all seriousness, how often do you get to do something like this and really be able to say, "Look, I kind of know my stuff, and these are the pieces that you guys didn't exactly know about, and this is the stuff that I actually know about, and oh my God, I'm actually putting my degree to 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 work <laughs> for cheap. You're not paying me. Shit. Okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, okay. I mean, so long as I don't, didn't dominate the conversation or anything. No, don't worry. Uh, anyway, I guess if I had to finish on anything, uh, I guess it would be to reiterate the point that I, I, uh, had mentioned before the, uh, the importance of seeing the people that you debate with as people first and foremost, people with emotions and, um, getting practice. Uh, it's, it's really easy to fall into the trap of listening to people you agree with. Uh, the real challenge, and I think the real way to to grow and, and actually have an impact on the world is to get practice listening to people you disagree with and uh, learning some empathy, because we, we already talked about how important empathy is when it comes to things like, um, you know, creating a sense of fairness and wanting to, to, to actually do something to make the world better. And so I think that uh, a little empathy goes a long way, and it's, it's easy to fall into the trap of, oh, feelings don't matter, facts over feelings. But uh, we're just deluding ourselves into thinking we're more rational than we actually are when we go down that path. So, um, yeah, just take some time to listen to someone you disagree with and uh, try to th see things from their perspective. And you might uh, be surprised at how far that gets you in a discussion. I, I will tell you that after... After some of the stuff that you've uh, that you've talked about, and uh, very very specifically, how we don't think of people as people enough, 
um, and just use just the numbers and just the statistics, I will tell you that I think that you've actually um, given me something really, really hard to think about and something that I think is going to come forward with me for uh, future future talks I end up doing at this point with people. So uh, before we even go ahead and close out and, and you know give, give everybody their closeout, thank you for that. You've done you've my given job. me something worthwhile. You're, yeah, I, I, I've done my job. I always say my, my job is to take psychology and make the world a little bit better with it. So if I've if I've changed a few minds and changed how people think about uh, um, these sorts of issues, then I've I've done my job. I can sleep better at night. <laughs> and I'm sure that uh, you'll be sleeping pretty well because uh, it's getting pretty close to late for you. I, I would assume <laughs> at this point, getting there. Fair enough. So with that, yes, we are going to go ahead and just uh, wrap up for the evening, everybody. So as always, thank you very much for being with us tonight. We hope that you had yourself a good time and you found something worthwhile in all of our perspectives. And just like with me, maybe you've got something worthwhile to think about tonight and kind of mull over. So let me go ahead and say goodnight for everybody. Uh, as usual, Dr. Plant, Dr. Nuka, Courtney, <laughs> thank you it, it i like i said before um you were you were really gung-ho to go ahead and do this when i when i kind of really pitched over for you and um in in seriousness thank you so much i really do appreciate it um not just personally but um even though we're not you know we're not doing any kind of kind of you know price tag on any of this if you call it professionally i'm i'm very proud that you found you know, it, it worthwhile subject to really come in and share partially your professional and partially your personal on this whole thing. Seriously, thank you very much. I really do appreciate that, man. It's always a pleasure. So tell everybody where they can find you and uh, the, the stuff that you do. And, and if, if folks want to get in touch with you. Oh, um, yeah, I, I, him on the spot here uh, i guess if you're, you're interested in in for whatever reason in some of the research i do on on furries uh go to furscience.com i'm dr courtney plans if you go to the uh i guess the furscience.com you'll find my contact information there you can ask me not just about furry stuff but about any of the other stuff we talked about today uh and of course wikipedia is your friend you can check out any of the theories i talked about today social intuitionist model the foundations <coughs> theory those are are both pretty much searchable, doesn't take much to find, and uh, you get kind of a crash course in those uh, those things. Yep. And so everybody knows, uh, I do already have your information linked over there for uh, Facebook and the First Science Group, because they've got uh, their own website and a Facebook group and a Twitter account and the whole thing like that. So uh, I really hope that your boss is not going to be upset that I kind of mentioned you and, and the the twitter account for for science because i mean oh no that's that's cool <laughs> and uh like i said uh even though i was joking about it earlier um the first science group is getting much more visibility uh the last couple of months uh you guys have actually been uh specifically hit up a couple of times or linkedin and used to remind people hey you know other people have actually done the the research on this kind of stuff um is that something that seems to be happening more often finally? Um, the news frequently comes to us. Usually uh, whenever there's some kind of story that involves furries, uh, usually around Anthrocon, or usually when a major con comes up, someone wants to do a story on furries. 
uh, usually we're the people they come to, which is a lot better than it used to be, say, 10 or 15 years ago when you know CSI was where they went for their facts. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. That's, um, if anybody wants to talk with us about that, we'll be more than happy to go ahead and tell you the shit fest that was all that. But uh, if you want to find out from the, <clears throat> forgive me, quote-unquote, horse's mouth about how that's really changed, yeah, the first science groups would be really really helpful for that and, and for, forgive me i forgot what uh the the lead scientist on on that one uh what was her name again on the uh, on the the twitter account uh oh the one running the twitter account that's uh dr uh sharon roberts sharon i was trying to see i couldn't i couldn't for the life of me remember what her name i've seen several of your guys uh on, at uh, anthrocon especially so uh i don't remember everybody's name unfortunately but there's you. a bunch of us. Yeah, I mean, okay. you, you and me, what are you going to do? Shu, if you need something like a mnemonic or such to uh, remember, just keep this in mind. Sharon! <laughs> okay, so Sharon is married to Ozzy, who bit the head off of a bat, and <laughs> I've got a uh, bat pony. I see, I he see, thought I it was fake. Yeah, I, 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 you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll deal with that all later. That's, That's another episode. <laughs> yeah, we'll, 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 we'll deal with that. Gummy, gummy bat. We'll, we'll go with that. anyway. Joey, thank you, man. You, you, you have yourself a, a good restful rest of your evening, and thanks for being able to make it, man. This episode brought to you by a great big bag of dicks. <laughs> You know, I try so hard to run <laughs> All respectful. I I try to run a respectable show, and you know, thanks, man. I appreciate that There's so much. It's been so long since we mentioned it. I figured it needed a shout out. You know, we we went through. I'm the... helping. This is great. This is great, and now I got something going through my head that's on the. I don't remember if it's on the list anymore or not. You know what? We'll do with that later. But thanks. Thanks ever so much. Pain in my ass. Bridget, you, thank you so much. I'm glad you're able to make it. You stay warm out there tonight, huh? I'm trying to. We got snow. It's kind of cold. And, but, eh. Keep Look at the bright side. Look at the bright side. Uh, you can always put a, you can always put a harness and a leash on, on the ferrets and take them out in the snow, right? <laughs> I don't think they would like it. I yeah. really don't think they'd like it. That's all right. Well, if anybody needs to find me, you can find me on Facebook under Bridget Fitch or stop by my blog at BridgetFitch2112.wordpress.com. I've got her trained well. I didn't even have to do the whole, I'm come on. Thank you, Hada. I appreciate it. You have a good night. You too. Dallin. Hey. Nice of you to be able to make one show this weekend, you know, pain hey. in the ass. You hey, 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 it was a hockey hey, it was a company paid for a hockey game. What am I gonna do? Say no? Uh free uh, food, free beer, free hockey. I don't what? know. Were the were the Hanson brothers talk? there? Uh you know, sadly it wasn't quite as violent as I'd hoped. Um, but uh one does not simply uh, say no to a hockey game in Canada. That's true, that's true, that's true. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> Joey's little mention there of the of the bag of dicks reminded me of the uh, conversation that came up as a result of that uh, many weeks ago. 
going back to the whole Oregon thing, which then reminded me of another conversation I had recently with somebody. Now, I was actually looking for this sort of last minute, but I could not find it, but I am going to go looking for it. Apparently, Amazon has upped the size of lube containers that they're selling. Um, that's that's not possible because the last time I remembered, they had fifty-five gallon drums yes. that were available. What do you what do you mean they upped it from that? Apparently, like I said, I was just looking for it. I couldn't see it right away, but I will look for it later. A two hundred and seventy-five gallon drum worth about seven thousand dollars. Wow. That's crazy. That's that's um that's about six Oregon incidents. Um um uh, uh, um Dr. Plant um <laughs> Sorry, um, I was thinking about soup. <laughs> <laughs> um you know what? Uh, we we should um we should uh, we uh, no. 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 I've I've I'm I'm trying to run a respectable show here. Damn it, brain! Shut up, Dallin. Um, thank you for being here tonight. I think <laughs> I don't know anymore. Hey, anytime I can break the panel, I, I consider it a good night. Uh, I consider my job done. Is 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 that a is that is is that a is that a a, a car a, a train car liquid delivery? Is that what that is? I don't know. <laughs> as soon as I find out more details, I'll let you know. Anyways, um, of course, I am the curator of the audio version of the show over at holycrabthevlogcast.com. And if I feel like waxing philosophical about stuff that maybe we don't talk about on this show, you can catch that over at inthewind.yo5.ca. Thank you, man. I really do appreciate it. Oh, great. Now now I've got stuff I'm going to have to look up because morbid curiosity. Just thanks. Thanks, guys. I appreciate that. Anyway, I will make sure that all the links are available over in the show notes because I will update those uh, in, in a little bit. Meantime, of course, as always, if you'd like to get the podcast version, the link is over on the left-hand side of the uh, webpage, holycrapthevlogcast.com. Yes, I will be keeping that going for quite a while yet to come. There's a story behind all that, but that's a whole other thing for later. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail message, phone number there is 859-HCTV-554, 859-4288-554. And of course, as always, all the contact links are available from the webpage itself directly. Um, I like to have folks on the show that are not us because as was one of the things that was said earlier was basically trying to look at something from somebody else's perspective. And that's really the reason why the show is the way that it is to try to have as many of those perspectives as possible. And if like me, you've now got to kind of question what your perspective actually is. Don't worry. You're not the only one. I got some uh, I got some social soul searching I've got to kind of do for myself for the future. And it's going to be a little uncomfortable for a little while but you know what if it turns out that it's for the better later 
because it makes us think, then not only is the good doctor's job done, but so is ours over here. Thanks for being with us. So you take care of yourselves. If you want to comment to us and let us know how you think about things, wonderful. We'd love to hear from you as always. But in the meantime, do take care of yourselves. And we look forward to seeing you again next week. In the meantime, as always, I wish you all the peace I no longer have. I wish you the strength that I've learned. I wish you well. My lady, it's about to be 14 years soon, but I am still in love. Matane Fujin. I love you. I miss you. Dream of me. And until the next time we get together, everyone, as always, good night. You've been listening to Holy Crap, the Vlogcast. Feel free to leave a comment at the show's website at holycrapthevlogcast.com, where you'll also find links to our Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter pages. Theme music is Twisted by Kevin McLeod, available at incompetech.com. And on behalf of all of us here, thank you for listening.